Hey everybody, Jason here. This is an OSCS Extra episode. Uh, it will be the precursor to tomorrow's episode with Isaac Childers about Frosthaven. When I interview Isaac tomorrow, we are going to focus on the cultural consultancy pieces, improving the lore of Frosthaven. There was a big uh, brouhaha. He wrote a blog about it. People don't uh, like the whole cultural consultancy stuff, so I'm eager to talk with Isaac tomorrow and share that with you about all that stuff. This episode precedes it. This episode is kind of my way of describing what cultural consultancy is. I feel like uh, Isaac's blog was not really that well received because of various reasons. So I kind of break down what some of those barriers were and in my own way. And uh, tomorrow's conversation will follow up here. So this is a video show. It is highly dependent on visuals. So I really recommend that people go over to Shelf Stories and see the visuals. But not everybody does that, so I'm posting in a podcast form here. So I hope that's clear. Enjoy today's show about Frosthaven, and then enjoy tomorrow's show about Frosthaven with Isaac Childress. On to the show. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. I am your host, Jason, and thank you so, so much for stopping by for this latest episode of Good Trouble, the series where I engage in above-the-table conversations about things I feel are important to talk about here in the board gaming community in a spirit of education and compassion. I am taking on one of the big ones this time, Frosthaven. Frosthaven by Isaac Childress, Cephalofair Games. $13 million Kickstarter, the follow-up to Gloomhaven, currently the number one game on Board Game Geek. It is uh, very interesting, uh, the turns that it has taken recently. So Gloomhaven, big fantasy world, uh, lots of invented races and creatures and lore and all that kind of thing. Isaac decided that he wanted to go in a different direction, a more culturally sensitive direction. Detailed that in a recent blog update number 80 on the Frosthaven project. Caused a lot of kerfuffle and uproar and lots of different things, which I will get into. I particularly wanted to respond to a video by the King of Average called Safe Haven. It's time to push forward. I'm going to link that video in the show notes. So um, the reason I want to do that is because there was a, a good faith effort to engage with uh, criticize what Isaac was doing, and I would like to respond to that criticism. I appreciated this, the video spirit. It was kind. It tried to wrestle with the issues. I really disagree with some of the stuff, but I appreciated the spirit. So that is the uh, what I would like to offer uh, with this follow-up to that particular project. But before I get to that, if you are visiting Shelf Stories for the first time, welcome Good Trouble is my series of videos. This is not the first one I'm doing of these uh, where I engage in you know, racial issues, colonialism, cultural issues, uh, the things that we talk about as gamers, but we're kind of afraid to sometimes. But I try to find ways forward that bridge gaps, um, bring multiple perspectives to the table and offer something fruitful. So I invite everybody to enjoy my series of Good Trouble videos. I also have Shelf Help. I'm a mental health therapist, so I present tips and tricks over different videos on how to be a happier gamer and a happier person. 
And my channel is about voices. I have interviews with uh, friends and publishers, designers, gamers, people from all over uh, the board gaming industry. I don't care what, who you are or what you think. You belong on my channel to, to speak your voice and speak your truth. Uh, please go enjoy all that on my channel. It's free. I got no Patreon. There's no ads. Uh, I just want to, I want to value everybody's engagement. So thank you so much. I appreciate everybody for stopping by. So before I get started, I'd like to articulate why I'm getting involved in the first place. <laughs> I don't, I do not want to get involved in every single social media kerfuffle. Believe me, I know I may give that impression with how often I make these videos. However, ugh, it's exhausting uh, and I try to pick my spots pretty carefully. In this particular case, I'm already picked uh, to be involved in this. My video, Shelf Stories, you see the link right there on Isaac's blog, was linked. Isaac did ask permission. I said, yes, that's totally cool. Um, the interview that was linked was with James Mendez Hose, the cultural consultant. We spoke about why we love cultural criticism. Also, the Ludology podcast uh, with Mendez as well was linked. So I'm a partisan. <laughs> I'm supportive of Isaac. We, we, we chat sometimes about some of this cultural stuff. And... So there it is, right? And uh, you could tell Isaac was at great pains to just really explain stuff, really felt like he knew what he was doing. He knew that this might not be popular. So he tried to go you know, point by point, explain to people what he was doing, removing some of the harmful stuff, removing stereotypes and getting the narrative right, making it better. Title of the blog, update number 80 on Frosthaven, getting the narrative right. Ooh, it just didn't go well. Uh, and, you know, uh, King of Average, which who I refer to as KOA in this video, just to make it clear that this is not personal. This is between content creators. It's a discussion. There's some disagreement, but there's no reason why we can't just, you know, converse. And maybe at some point we'll pick it up, right? Uh, on a either publicly or privately or whatever. I did comment on your video, by the way, uh, KOA. I have a comment right over there. So, you know, hopefully this video gets uh, some conversation going. The first part of KOA's video is something with which I completely and utterly agree. So here is Isaac, um, knows he kind of, you know, knows a couple of things. A, knows uh, in his heart he kind of has to, uh, not from any force perspective, but just kind of on a, has a moral sense. Uh, this is my game and I don't want to, it to have certain things. I don't want to have stereotypes. I don't want to have, you know, cultural appropriated tropes, I, none of that stuff. So making his own free will decision puts out this blog. Uh, and says, you know, I've hired a cultural consultant. He's going to do this, this, and this. I think this, this, and this are important. Really lays out the case. Lays it out for fans who are supportive, like like myself. Yeah, do your thing. Uh, lays it out for folks that are skeptical and says, you know, here's his attempt to persuade and explain. And then acknowledge that there are a, fa a faction of people who just won't be happy uh, with this kind of change. Fine. Uh, email Cephalofair for a refund. Um, and then the kicker, which is the end of the blog, uh, we did uh, refunds for people who don't think Black Lives Matter last summer, and we will also do refunds for those who don't think board games should be safe spaces. <sighs> I don't want to get into too much in the weeds of that. Um, I just I thought it was just really indelicately phrased at best. Um, uh, full disclosure, you know, uh, Isaac and I have spoken about that, and at some point, uh, Isaac, you know, again on his own will just kind of put out some kind of statement addressing that. Uh, I'll just leave that to it. It's it's. It's not good. And KOA was right on exactly why. The implication is, if you wanted to cancel your pledge, 
If you thought about canceling your pledge, if you didn't like the changes at all, then you were a racist. And <laughs> and that's like the that's a, that's the worst thing that you can that uh, a certain type of person can be called. Um, and I don't want to get too much into the actual thing. I just want to make a general point. Uh, about my practice here on Shelf Stories. Uh, if you've seen my videos before, if you've only watched, if you watch me for the first time, I do not ever call somebody a racist, sexist, homophobe. Those stigmatizing labels. You have to really deserve it over multiple infractions, personal contact. The, that is something that I, you know, short of that, really, uh, you know far out extreme, I will never use that label. All labels are damaging. All labels are just shortcuts. They're, they're, they're lazy thinking. And not only is it like kind of violence to critical thinking, it's just really, it's really stigmatizing. For a certain type of person, like if you're like a white moderate, you know, if you're just like a person that's kind of tries to be in the middle of things, uh, getting that label, having that stink attached to you. It's basically a scarlet letter, basically a yellow star. It is a invitation to exclude, harass, treat terribly. That person's a racist. They don't deserve any uh, consideration. They're a sexist. They do this. And you know, when we talk about cancel culture, like the, the if, you know, uh, people kind of go back and forth, whether it exists or not, but if it does exist, um, the mechanics of that kind of uh, thing is to ascribe the label first. You don't cancel people, you cancel labels. And if that person um, gets that label stuck on them, racist, you know, sexist, whatever it is, then really bad things will follow. You know, uh, we are social animals. The worst, one of the worst things you could do to us, short of like physical harm, is exclusion and exile, basically. Uh, you know, being banned, being deplatformed, and all these kind of things. So that that will not come from me ever. The things that I say might be that might be interpreted as me calling racist. I try really hard to walk that stuff back. As a matter of fact, you see my videos. I bend over backwards. I'm not calling people racist. I call behaviors racist. I call actions racist. I call. I may even call like you know themes of games, uh, but never, ever a person. So I think there's an opportunity for Isaac to kind of, you know, learn and grow and for all of us in the community to learn and grow. Um, so I think on that particular point, uh, KOA, and, KOA and I are real, really on the same wavelength. So there you go. All right. Happy times, right? I agree with a part of the video. And then the video kept going. In the second half of the Safe Haven piece, KOA tries to break down what he thought was wrong with Isaac's presentation and cultural criticism in general. Makes lesser stories. I could tell there was a real attempt. Again, third of attempt at a video. I know how hard these videos are. I know. <laughs> so multiple takes. You have to really be careful what you're going to say. Really intentional. So good on you. Um, trying to say uh, that this was, you know, missed opportunity was, you know, used a lot. Uh, just, you know, this is not going to be as good a story and it's just, you know, uh, we're making it safe and we don't want safe in Gloomhaven. We want, you know, exciting and everything that people want, right? So in the same spirit, I'm going to criticize the work, not the person. I'm going to say that that criticism was completely a disaster. Like 
worse than I disagree with it, but like wrong. It was based on two fundamental misreadings of what Isaac was actually saying on the screen, on the paper. I kind of felt like the criticism was against kind of wokeness in general or how wokeness quote unquote is constructed by a, a more moderate person kind of looking from the, from the outside looking in rather than really grappling with what was said words on the page were not read it, and it's like building castles but out of on a, on a sandy foundation you can talk all you want and there was, the video was pretty long and i felt kind of sad because like a lot of effort was put in but the was resting on poor foundations, fundamental misreadings of what we're trying to do as cultural critics. So let me break that down. And I think it's really worth just point by point because saying what we mean because there's so much misunderstanding. I really hope this helps. All right, error the first. So this is KOA quoting Isaac or thinks, he quotes Isaac, Frosthaven, quote, will not have culture derived from the real world or that you can draw parallels to, end quote. Goes on to say that some of the best fiction intentionally borrows from culture, talking about X-Men 5, Babylon, all these other great projects, you know, borrows from it and tells, you know, resonant stories and, you know, emotional stories. And that's the good stuff. And now because, um, you know, people draw parallels and they get hurt by what's in there, they, you know, we, let's take all that out so that it could be safe, you know, safe haven, right? It's not what Isaac said. It is not the words on the page or the screen. Let me read them to you. This is the exact quote. In a nutshell, he, he being Mendez, not that James guy, by the way. If you refer to somebody, call them what they would like to be called, good general practice. He is looking through all the narrative of Frosthaven and at all the different cultures depicted within. He is making sure everything is, an internal, is internally consistent that it isn't co-opting any real-world terms or ideas that may be harmful to players or any real-world cultures. What does that mean? You can draw from culture. You can inspire, be inspired by culture, depict different cultural things. It, your fiction could just borrow from the entire world and do what good fiction does, which is like rearrange it according to, you know, different standards, make people think, excite people, open up people's visions by rearranging what has been, you know, taken, but don't co-opt. What is co-optation? Co-optation is taking cultural symbols from, uh, you know, groups or individual people in a way that they wouldn't approve of, that denies them their voice, that set, sends a very different, lowered, and debased message that does not answer to the original intention and context. Uh, and, you know, again, you can do different things with culture. That's the great part of it. But don't co-opt it to your own ends and don't tell stories that can be harmful, especially stories that can be harmful. Okay. What does that look like in real life? Let's take an example. Firmlings. Vermlings in Gloomhaven are a sentient rodent race. And let's say that I don't know anything. Let's take all this Twitter stuff out of here. Let's take all this, you know, social media, whatever, whatever out of here. And I'm just, you know, new player, you know, uh, coming to Gloom to, to Frosthaven for the first time. And I see a Vermling. All right, cool. I am going to, you know, check it out. You know, it's a, you know, uh, sentient creature. It looks like kind of a shaman type thing. 
uh, you know, in the forest and everything. Um, so I'm already kind of like primed with an association. Like, okay, this might be some sort of like natural native type thing. Okay, great. Now I go, uh, you know, just kind of read some general stuff about the story. Gloomhaven's basic lore is that humans are a settler colony taking land away from the native Vermlings and Enochs. Enochs being another race. All right. So now I have Vermlings and now I have a story behind them, a colonist story. Now I'm in the mode of like seeing them as ciphers for Native Americans, right? And I know what people are thinking out there. It's like, oh, you're, you're putting it in there. Gloomhaven is not racist. Gloomhaven doesn't hate Native Americans. Okay. This isn't about, try not to be so literal here. I'm going to ask the audience, don't be literal with this stuff. Follow the argument step by step as much as possible. I'm trying to do the best that I can to lay it out. Okay. Just put in, pointing out that like that I'm making this association between, you know, Vermlings and Native Americans. And guess what? It's not just me, even random Reddit person. It makes the association pretty clearly, you know, but this is clearly a, a, a metaphor for, you know, European colonization. Okay. That is not necessarily a bad thing, right? We're not on co-op land yet. We're just using it now. Uh, you could tell a pretty noble story I with anthropomorphic mice. I happen to enjoy Mice and Mystics. Mice and Mystics is an excellent game. Uh, tells a great story. Heroic mice walking through a castle. Da 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 da. Uh, and there's plenty of other good stories that you can tell with that kind of trope. Let me go to the Cephalofair blog itself and see what I can see about Vermlings. Vermlings are a scavenging, animalistic race. They feed off the flesh of the dead, and when they can't find any of that, they are more than happy to do the killing themselves. Though primitive, they typically hunt with crude knives and bows. They are small and weak-willed, so they can be controlled by more powerful races with the right combination of food and fear. Now I have multiple data points, and I do what every human does. And I'll get to that in just a second. I do it, you do it, we all do it. We connect the dots. And how do we connect dots? We connect dots with our experience. And... You know, just our background and our mindset and our cultural assumptions. And so because of my background as a POC, my background as a Puerto Rican person who uh, is interested in, you know, the, uh, the native roots of my heritage, we could be descend from the Taino people and there's other, you know, native cultures in which I'm interested. Now I'm making the association that, you know, vermlings are literally vermin, that Native Americans are literally vermin. That's the cultural association that I'm making, that this is the message that Gloomhaven is putting out. Do you make that association? Maybe not. Isaac didn't even make the association. Most people don't because it's kind of far from our experience. Who, who talks to Native peoples on a daily basis? I know I don't. I have to seek it out and like read about it. And but... Because I have the background that I have, I make I, I connect those dots with my intuition. If you don't, that's fine, but I do, and people on my side do. As an example, and I can I can I could do this all day, <laughs> and I bet that's what the culture critic's job is to do that all day. See how dots are laid out and predict depending on who the person is, who's going to connect those dots in harmful ways. Right? So when we say something's harmful, what we're saying is they're laid out in a way that certain groups will connect the dots and make associations that you don't want them to make. Okay. So now we keep on going. It's not that it does just to stop there. Uh, so then now we have a humans. There are humans in this world and the humans are the majority and humans are pretty encouraged to hate vermlings. 
Ver, why? You know, verbally they're the enemy and there's a big fight between them, but you know, it doesn't take, it's a hop, skip and a jump away from like, you know, I hate Vermilion for who they are. I mean, I hate, you know, I hate those nasty rats. There's stuff that happens in the game that creates that kind of like, you know, ups the tension between them. But just from a basic level, humans hate Vermlings because they're Vermlings. I'm really close to some, you know, because of the associations that I'm making, I'm really close to stuff that I'm just not like, why would I want to, why would I want to play in that? Because I'm the way who I am, I'm, I'm more likely to kind of place myself in that Vermling context. And I definitely know that there are some people who play characters, like they play a character as a Vermling, and they love it. They, they stat it out, and they kind of, you know, change, you know, items and specs and everything like that. Everything that's cool about adventure games. But that's just because you can play the individual Vermling just doesn't mean that Vermling culture is worth anything. It's like, you know, saying, though, this is my, you know, uh, minority friend, or this is my, you know, the one person who's the exception to everything else. Doesn't work like that. I'm talking about Vermlin culture. Again, I'm making the association. All right. So what do I want? How okay, I make the association. What am I expecting Isaac to do? Here's where the big fear comes in, and here's what causes all the, the, the feels. The fear is I'm gonna take all this and I'm gonna replace it with a bland creator player. A player bef like in a video game, like before you put in your stats and your air, hair color, eye color, you know, everything else. Um, just we're going to just play with that because we're going to extract that. That's the only way we can not harm people, right? Just have bland blocks. And we're going to have humans because you can't avoid humans, but they're not going to hate anybody based on their race. They're going to do other things. We're going to take that out. Isn't that safe haven? Isn't that what people are afraid of? Isn't like that we're going to present some kind of like bland thing that is just not fun. It's not, you know, it's not going to provide me with the escapism I want because clearly the only reason, the only people who would like this are people who don't want politics you know, or that, you know, take the politics out of the game, make it safe for everybody. This, this is a lot of things, but safe, this is definitely safe. That's the fear, right? So here's the thing. That is not what we mean by safe. This is why labels are bad. Cancel culture, mob, woke, da, da, CRT, da, 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 da. The label, short circuit critical thinking, they, they, they kind of get people in the mindset of, okay, well, that's, well, that must be what they want. It is not what we want. It is not what I want. It is not what Mendez wants. And most importantly, because it's his game, not what Isaac wants. It goes back to the associations. This is such an important point. The current story of Frosthaven is not racist. It's, it's not saying that, you know, Native Americans are all vermin which would be a really racist thing to say. It's not actually saying that out loud. However, it is arranging the, the story points and the plot points and the character points in a way that triggers that association in people who have that experience, right? It's like a, it's arranging stars in a night sky and I can't help but see Orion, right? Or, or whatever other constellation. So, and because that's my cultural background, right? That's where, and that's what I'm interested in. And that's the, and we all do it. That's, the, that's another important point to do. Like, it's kind of what it means to be human. Like, humans always look at things and, and try to see meaning. We always try to draw stories out of the different, uh, you know, bits of things that we encounter in the world. In fact, that's what it means to be human is to draw the associations. We're not just going to, you know, see a thing and, like, see what it is. You know, I, maybe that'd be benefit at some time. But, like, that's what humans do is we make those judgments and links. And, you know, that's... 
because it's basically human, because it's, you know, something that everybody does, I would ask if I'm making those associations, don't just tell me not to make them, to make you safe and to keep your fun together. You know, I get that all the time and it was all over the blog. It's like, if you're making associations, you're the racist. Sorry for, you know, that, that, that kind of yelly, trolly uh, voice that I have, but it's like, that's what I hear when I see people kind of typing and all that kind of thing. And we all do it. We all put the dots together. It's natural. It's based on our experience. And if I'm putting dots together, that means in a way that makes me uncomfortable, then that's, you know, if you don't see it, that's fine. But don't deny me my intuition. Don't deny me my meaning making when I do that. That's number one. Number two. Moderate folks do it too. Did Isaac t- call people who canceled their pledge racist? No. It wasn't obviously said. And he's not that dumb to actually say that. And, you know, we made clear that it wasn't his intention, but whatever. But what he did was he put those dots together. He put cancel pledges don't like Black Lives Matter, don't like make board game safe spaces, put them together close enough proximity where people could make those associations themselves based on their experience. And unfortunately, in our kind of polarized hyperclimate, the, you know, there's a group of people that are like hypersensitive to kind of being called racist or, or that implication. So that association came together very quickly. However, the thing to note is that it is an association. You do it, I do it. I will respect your, you know, the fact that you put it together. I didn't, didn't come together for me. And to me, it could have been a choice, you know, like a modern person could have been said, okay, well, I like black lives and that's fine. And I think Borg gives you safe spaces. I was not talking about me. That, that could have been the, the link. Not a, lot, not a lot of people went that road. And I respect that. I respect that people don't want to be called racist. They don't want to be implied. They don't want to be associated with that. They don't want to have that triggered. And what we're asking for is the same thing. I don't want to have that association triggered any more than you want to have the associations that you don't like triggered for you. All right, so what's the $64,000 question, right? Um, How can we move forward? How can we make a game that's both safe and cool at the same time? So... Here's the thing that I think that a lot of people will be surprised by. I actually want to keep that. This idea that human beings like see other cultures are like in racial terms, like the idea of a race war. I want to keep that. That's human. That tells interesting stories. It resonates with my experience. I don't live a kumbaya world. It's some ugly, terrible stuff that happens. So I'm keeping the human conception of, you know, of hating other races because of their you know, because of who they are and the threat that they pose just by existing, right? I'm keeping that. I'm going to tell those stories. On the Vermling side, though, things I feel need to be adjusted. Points need to be rearranged in order to not resonate so hard, right, uh, with existing cultural uh, stereotypes, bad ones. Okay, I can do that in a number of different ways. Number one, I could take the native trappings out, right? Just take out... Uh, you know, that sense of, you know, kind of nativeness and put in any cultural context where 
a dominant, quote, more civilized, quote unquote, culture was bearing over a more uncivilized, you know, all this is in scare quotes, right? So what do I got? How about um, back in ancient Rome? You know, Visigoths and, you know, Jutes and all the different, uh, uh, the different tribes. And that would solve a, a one problem because in that particular case, the, the native peoples or the existing peoples are a lot closer in culture and whatever to the dominant culture. So it wouldn't be so strong, that association. All right. That's one way to do it. And that's just an example. You can, you can swap in any particular culture if you want to tell that colonization story. But let's say I like it. Let's say people are like, they already attached their vermlings. They leveled their vermling mind thief and they, they're already off and succeeded their, uh, their, their final goal or whatever it is. Um, okay, so I want to keep the vermlings. Let me retell that story. Let me, instead of them being like debased animals, maybe they have a whole civilization going on. Maybe they are, they have like the vermling version of Teotihuacan, some like big city that, you know, in the lore of Gloomhaven maybe didn't fall. And so, like, they got displaced from the land. Now I have to kind of fall back to this other civilization. And it's actually possible to navigate vermling civilizations, not just, like, one player character at a time. All vermlings are, like, able to be talked to. They have their own thing going on. They have their own society, laws, and you can invent the whole fiction. Still having a lot of racial conflict and hatred. You don't want that. You want like you still want the savage vermin, you know, because that's more like gritty and you know fun because it's it, it is you know Gloomhaven by the way, it's pretty gritty. Okay, how about I make a scenario where the humans came in and they stole something valuable from the vermlings. They stole like a, a magic artifact. Uh, I think of like the eye that the three the the, the Grail ladies had in. Um, Greek mythology where like only one of them could have the eye and therefore only one of them could see at a time. So maybe like the human stole an artifact that like took sentience away from the vermin or lowered their sentience to like this like subhuman level and the vermin and the vermlings are uh, their main goal is to get that back. And if they get that back, then they would get back whatever they want. And it would actually lower the humans to like verm to, to vermin form or to some lower form of life, ape form or something. What does that do? It tells stories that are beyond just vermling equals whatever. It gives agency. It gives life. It just, I feel like it, like, you know, it deepens the story. And that's just some examples. I'm not a writer. I just know what is not good. And so, you know, if I have suggestions, you don't like them, well, come up with your own. But at least bust out of the paradigm that this creates. All right, so that's kind of my essential point. I mean, I talked a lot about harm and safety and the association that we make as human beings. We all make associations. Here's a plea to not deny the associations I make just to, to dismiss it or because uh, you're afraid that I'm going to make Isaac ship you a white empty box of safety and say, here, have fun. I don't want to do that, you know, uh, and... If you're afraid of that, that's fine, but don't deny what I see and I won't deny what you see. Human, humans are, are meaning-making beings. Let's make meaning. Let's work it out. That's, that's kind of my point, right? At least with that part. I can't really move on um, in full because there was another part of the KOA video that, you know, I'll go back to that. That was a really, that was a real significant misstep, real misinterpretation. And it has more specifically to do with how we interpret the word race. Okay, so this is KOA misquoting Isaac's block. Quote, 
the people who make Frosthaven are not going to use race because people will draw parallels to humans to where they'll think black people and white people are as separate as a squishy human in a pile of rocks. And I could see the look of befuddlement on my man's face at that point, where it's like, who does this? This is false. This is you know, who if you're putting that in there, what are, what are we talking about here? You're gonna use that to, you know, change everything and blah blah blah. It just goes off and like this, like wonder what is the heck is going on because no one does it. it that's that is false. Like the, no one does that. No one no one makes that close a parallel. Once again, we're not trying not to be literal over here. Isaac is actually making a more subtle point that kind of is, is in three sections, right? And let me go through each one. And, and each way, he's trying to problematize the use of the word race. Not eliminate it, but at least get people thinking about when he uses that word, what is baked into that the little four-letter word, right? No accidents, four letters. Ugh. Here's what's baked in. Here's what he wants to kind of change or at least adjust. Okay. Number one. By using the term race, I am reinforcing an outdated way of delineating people. In 2021, I know we talk a lot about race, but I think the more fruitful ways to talk in terms of culture or upbringing or, you know, like more um, granular uh, categories. Like when you talk about race, it's only like, what, two races and then maybe three. Like, you know, if you get the Asian slash Mongoloid races, like that's like not doesn't even fit anymore. Right. So just he's trying to like problematize that idea. OK, fine. That's a, that's one thing that in terms of using the word race that could, you know, mean fine. Number two. By using the word race, I'm reinforcing the idea that these delineations are so extreme that the difference between a black person and a white person is as great as a difference between a squishy human and a pile of rocks. He is not saying that people are just making that association right there. He's not saying that people are seeing and making those parallels directly. Again, this is too literal. What he is saying is that the word race does that. Not the people, but the word race does that, and the word race in his fiction does that. Think about actual racists. Think about actual people who believe this stuff and there's some of us out there that have experienced more actual racism than others so it's going to be harder for some people to understand but there are people out there who look at another person's race and think of somebody totally alien i'll never talk to them i'll never learn from them i'll never break bread with them i'll never make love to them i'll never do nothing they might as well be a pile of rocks an animal a vermin or whatever it is that's what when you animate actual racism that's what you get that massive delineation Right. And he again, Isaac doesn't want his fiction to participate in that kind of separation between sentient beings. Right. That for the most part, that's what he's saying. I don't think it was as elegantly stated as what he wanted. But that's, you know, if we're looking at what Isaac is actually saying and not just what we think he's saying, let's just stick with it. Right. OK. Here's the most important one. Here's the one that I really want to kind of drill down on. Quote, I took it one step further into a bad place by assigning personality and mental traits to these races in a blanket way, reinforcing the concept of broad racial stereotypes. Frosthaven needs a change. Not because it is racist. Please try not to be that literal. It needs a change because it engages in an idea of racial essentialism. It doesn't want to eliminate races. It wants to eliminate the idea of racial essentialism. What is that? It is the idea that all quattros are this and all Enochs are this and all of them are this. It is the idea that there's some, there are biological, genetic traits 
that people have because of their race that they're born with, they live with, and they die with. So let me shift the example for a second because I want to, this is a little bit more resonant with me because I grew up with Dungeons and Dragons, right? Uh, Right now in its fifth edition and, you know, right in the middle of Dungeons and Dragons is the almighty orc, right? So when I talk about an orc in racially essentialist terms, what I'm saying is that if it's born in the jungle, if it's born in the desert, if it's born in the city, water deep in the middle of uh, Forgotten Realms, if they're born in Hoth, baby, <laughs> let's blow it out and go wherever, wherever you want <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. No matter where they're born, they're going to have certain essential racial traits that will always be there. They're eternal. No choice. Here they are. Right now I'm showing the stat block, right, uh, from 5th edition. And I know it. It just changed. Like in 2020, this, they, the, they took away the idea of, of, um, of stat negatives. Uh, but, you know, not everybody knows about that change. And it's, you know, this is, it, it might backslide. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to put that up there. What is it saying? Orcs are plus two strength, minus two intelligence. And they have these traits. Aggressive. You know, a physically imposing or whatever it says. Every orc ever. That is racial essentialism. Why is that bad? It is bad for two separate reasons, right? And I'm going to distinguish those two really, really cleanly. You might buy one, you might buy the other, but I'll lay them both out, right? Harm and bad storytelling. Let's do bad storytelling first. So why is it having racial essentialism in your fiction bad storytelling? It's limiting, right? What if I want to play a different kind of orc? What if I love orcs? What if I'm Mendez and, and Mendez loves orcs? What if I want to play that? And I don't want to just play the usual barbarian brute. I want to play a wizard. Something different, right? Uh, I can it's, you know, it's a, it's a role-playing game. I'll do what I want. But there's going to be pressure not to. Like, I, I've been in plenty of groups where it's like, I want to be this weirdo thing. And then everybody's looking around going, well, that's gimp. You don't play that. Play something that I'll actually help the party. And there's that pressure to, like, you know, play according to your stats. And that, 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 that it's fine. That should be you. I don't want to play gimp. I don't want to play something that's substandard. But that means I can't play my York wizard. It means that I can't tell rich stories with, you know, let's say um, I want to play an orc wizard that actually has a bonus to intelligence. Maybe, uh, you know, I, the orc wizard that's like, you know, more smarter than Elminster or, or whoever is the big wizard in in, the, in uh, Faerun nowadays. I lost track of it. It's too many changes. But, you know, like I want to be like a prodigy, you know, and it has different. Or I want to be like, you know, uh, an orc bard that just like, converts the world and whatever, whatever I'm performing or anything like that. You know, and as soon as I said orc bard, I got the racial stereotype of like an orc, an ugly orc banging a drum and yelling really loud. What if I want to play an orc that sings like an angel? (laughs) I can't tell those stories effectively because of the the essentialized racial stereotypes. And I can go all up and down, all different races, all different, uh, at least, you know, fantasy races of stories that I cannot tell. Because they're essentialized. 
and that doesn't mean that, you know, I can't have to take out conflict. That would be awesome. It's like, you know, like, let's say it was flexible stats, and but they the, the, the society still felt that, that prejudice. They still thought of orcs as savages and aggressive and everything. You know, I'd love to be able to live that story where the DM is kind of playing all the antagonism with me, and I'm overcoming it with my orc, orc wizard. And I can really resonate with that. I can tell, like, a, a real kind of... Um, hero story an underdog story nothing says that hatred has to disappear just essentialism let's take the cap off and tell more flexible stories at right at the table you know uh, and going back to, to Frosthaven, tell different stories with the enox vermlings you know uh, let, let me tell the story of a noble vermling if i wanted to all right so that's the storytelling point i hope that people can resonate with that i we all want that right so here's the more difficult point, right? This is one that's totally based on experience and is one like kind of have to take our word for it. Uh, we're going to make those associations no matter what, and we ask you to respect that. Racial essentialism causes harm. We are not saying Gloomhaven causes harm. What we're saying is Gloomhaven participates in racial essentialism, a practice that in the real world causes harm. I want to use games to escape. One of the things I want to escape from is this practice of racial essentialism, but I can't escape because it's right there in my face. Okay. People say that games are an escape, and while well, you're taking, you're making my game not an escape anymore, well, the game is already not an escape for me. And I get it. It's not screaming at me, but it's right there to be seen. Let me go back to my orc, right? I'm going to change one word. I'm going to change orc to black. There are people who believe in the real world that black people have minus two intelligence, they're aggressive, all the things that you see here, right? Maybe not dark vision. Well, I don't think people think blacks have dark vision, but most of the other things, right? Doesn't matter who the black person is, doesn't matter where they come from, doesn't matter what they've accomplished, it doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. All black folks are of lower intelligence. If you don't believe me, ask them. I did ask them. Go ahead on Shelf Stories. Look at my channel, Black Creators in Gaming. Every single one of them talked about little subtle ways in which they were accused of having or assumed to have or just, you know, um, a judgment was made that they were of lower intelligence. Jeremy Howard says something that was it's also confirmed by my wife. And yes, I'm going for the emotional heartstrings. I'll say something in just a second, but I, it's, this is so personal to me. I have to bear witness. I can't tell you how many times my wife, you know, Talks, we talk at night, and he, she says, My God, the caucasity out there. This lady, I was on the phone with her, and she just stops and says, Oh, you're really articulate. I'm so surprised. My wife with a master's and a professional level job, and you're surprised that she's articulate? Really? And it's like, Nah, you're taking that too, se you're taking that too seriously. You don't live it. You don't live it. It's not your experience. So how can you take that experience away from us and from my wife and from my friends, people I love and consider, you know, brothers and sisters? That's harm. We play games to get away from that 
And when we come into a game and we see that it replicated in the game, that's not something we want. And that's the kind of thing that I want to extract. Now, there's a lot of ways to do it. So D&D, like just going back to Dungeons & Dragons, I know I'm kind of bouncing back and forth, but like I, I know that I played D&D when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I love it. So, um, you know, Dungeons & Dragons is going through its own kind of, you know, turmoil with this stuff. And there are currently, they've taken out the, the, the negative modifier. So good on you. 2020 it took you until and not everybody knows it so i'm going to continue to talk about it get the word out get those racial those racial negatives out of here that's number one number two there was a a, a supplement that came out official called um tasha's caution of everything which among many other things kind of loosens the rein says okay we're not gonna stats are no longer based on your race now you can have stats just kind of assign them wherever you want make up a story and then you know kind of put them in that way Great. Take stats, take essentialized stuff away from race and put it in culture, background, upbringing, location. That's where it belongs. If I'm born in the desert, I got something. If I'm born in the uh, the base of a wizard tower, I got something. You know, it's, that that's what it means, right? Okay. So that quite doesn't quite go far enough. I'd like to recommend a product called Ancestry and Culture um, from Arcanist Press. Uh, really diving into, you know, like reforming races and reforming our idea of, you know, stat bonuses and how different um, cultures and everything, you can kind of like flex that and flesh out real, real awesome stories. Or you don't have to do any of this stuff. Or if you're just a mechanics person, then don't do any of this stuff. Just, you know, just don't pick stats based on race. Throw them wherever you want. That's fine. So I'm going to close the video where I tried to start, where KOA started with his video, um, a note of kindness, right? And I think it's really important because I think people can see the criticism and think that I'm accusing somebody of being stupid. You know, how could you be so stupid? How could you do this, this, and this? And there's a lot of that going around. Like, how could you be so stupid to make that association? How could you be so stupid to, you know, misread that clearly um, worded thing? There's nothing, that is not what I want to accuse of at all. That is 100% not true. This is hard stuff. Culture is hard stuff. Why is it hard? Because we're trying to get into the way other people see we're trying to bridge trust. It's a trust thing. You know, uh, our sides don't trust each other right now. That's what it means to be polarized. So when we see a thing or hear a thing, we're going to interpret and we're going to bring what we, um, you know, what we are afraid of from the other side. So like my contention, and he could tell me if I'm wrong, is the reason why those things were misread was because it's almost like a larger wokeness was like behind those words. It's like, you know, like when you see what, uh, you know, what someone from my side says and that immediate association happens well, they're talking about wokeness and they go off on this other thing, right? That's not stupid. That's mindset. And mindset is the hardest thing to change about human beings. I say in my therapy, I close with every video that says, if you can change your mind, you can change the world. Literally, because your mind is constructing the world. Your mind is drawing those dots and drawing meaning. And sometimes the meaning is wrong. And we need other people to show us what the what a more proper way of arranging the dots is. What's more fruitful for communication and dialogue and all that kind of thing. That's what I'm all about. That's what Shelf Stories is all about. I'm pretty aggressive calling out a white mindset. I talk about caucasity. I talk about, uh, you know, in another video I got called out for like, why are you talking about the whale of whiteness? Why are you talking about a caucus of Caucasian? Why are you talking to these racial categories? If you're talking to racial categories, you're the racist, right? 
Because I don't talk about race in terms of essentials. Talk about it in terms of mindset, behaviors, practices, ways of thinking that can change. I am very forward about things I think are harmful, but I try to do it in a way that honors the person and their ability to bridge the gap, change minds, have them change my mind, and move forward. And that is the spirit in which I offer this video, this response, and at the end of the day, this invitation to further discuss some of this cultural issues, which are really, really hard. But I think most of us, I think so if we could figure it out, it's a win-win for everybody. That's my presentation. This is Shelf Stories. Please go ahead, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you can change your mind, you can change the world. So until next time, later, everybody.